Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Flyers' offense explodes against the Capitals while they struggle against Boston. Sean Couturier has returned to the lineup. But sadly, COVID has struck the Flyers and affected them. Let's talk about it right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's episode 64 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are here. Thank you so much, Scott Weinhardt. How you feeling tonight, man? 64, isn't that Niall Yakupov's number for a short amount of time? Yakupov. One of the worst oh, yes. first overall draft picks to ever existed in professional sports i was so high on him i thought he was gonna be not the second coming of what now is Connor mcdavid or the first coming of Connor mcdavid but man i really liked him for a time especially when he used to slide across the ice in celebration uh like legitimately from blue line to to red line on his knees possibly blue line blue line i was high on him and he just fell off a damn cliff uh, well sadly it, it, you know Brian Burke talked about in his book. Um, I, I listened to his audio book and it's, it's fantastic and mm-hmm. uh, highly recommended Burke's law, highly recommended to any, any hockey fan. It's just beyond wonderful to get a GM's perspective. And he talked about how he was in the draft room uh, interviewing Nyakapov and because of where they were at, they're still doing the due diligence that they weren't going to get Nyakapov. But one of their scouts wanted to punch Yakupov in the face. Like he legitimately <laughs> wanted to punch him in the face. He said it was the worst draft interview he's ever had in his career. And I believe it. I mean, you know, well, he was very arrogant. Well, he, here's and here's a key of like take you know for whatever reason some guys just have all the talent in the world and they just don't have the head to put it together. Yeah. I mean, a great example of that with guy who actually did turn around was Alexander Radulov. Alexander Radulov had a lot of talent when he was young, and then for whatever reason he just he couldn't get it together until he went back to Russia and came back, and he just has been a monster since then. And another one, probably one of the most legendary players for his skill set standpoint, Alexei Kovalev. Uh, Kovalev is one of the softest players you ever see, but if he actually gave a damn, he'd be one of the all-time greats. So it's um, it's it's a weird thing how some of these guys just have all the talent in the world, but their heads get so big because they've been told they're good for so long that you know it, they're next thing you know they're just they they can't produce at a level you need them to at a pick that high. It's a shame, man. There's a lot of talent goes to waste that way. I think. Yeah, I, that that's for sure. But thankfully. The Flyers have never had that kind of happen, right? Like they've never had a guy get drafted and then completely waste their talent, and that—that's the end of it. I mean, that's never happened no. to the Philadelphia Flyers here. Well, no, maybe not to the Flyers, but across the street, it's happening right now, apparently. <laughs> but that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, 
like uh, i mean that's yeah you're right that's a different podcast yeah, that's, a, that's a totally different topic it's i don't know just, why i even brought it up uh but uh, hey, the Flyers had a good day the other day against Washington. Yeah. They outbursted for seven goals. Uh, Scott Lawton, first career hat trick for him. I mean, g- Godspeed to him. I mean, that was, it seems like, I think I saw a stat. Flyers or the NHL has 11 total hat tricks for this season. Three of them are the Philadelphia Flyers. That's a good sign of where this team is in terms of offensive production uh, across the board from JVR, uh, Konechny, or excuse me, Farabee had the hat trick and, and, and Konechny and now obviously Lawton. Um, so I think that really showed on Sunday. I, I, I think what happened was they clearly were pay- playing with their backs against the wall. They were on a two game skid against Boston, which we'll get into a little bit later uh, that I know you have a lot of thoughts on, um, but do I? You had an interesting thought about this game in particular. Seven goals sounds like a lot, and it is. Um, it's obviously a lot, especially when you win. But when you only have 23 shots, is it more of a quality over quantity type of situation that we've cu- kind of been the theme of the Flyers? Because they're out outshot at a record pace this year. It's almost actually embarrassing. <laughs> but I, 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 at the same time, they're 8-3-2, and two, so you can't. It's tough to complain that much, but seven goals is seven goals at the end of the day, especially Coots with the with the cross ice uh, empty netter. But twenty three shots sounds pretty low, and it is low, especially when they gave up. I believe it was thirty nine by the end of the day at, at the end of the game. So where where did you come away with after Sunday Sunday afternoon's win? Well, they gave up thirty seven shots. Where I came away yesterday was that okay, the offense woke up a little bit. Um, there's some severe, look, I, I, before I even go off on anything, I, I want to speak about the positives because there are some positive out of this. Um, yesterday, getting Sean Couturier back, you saw a major difference. And in fact, that being able to push to play off ice, when they first started the game, I thought the Flyers came out with an edge. They were playing physical. They were getting pucks in deep. They were moving the puck with a lot of speed to the neutral zone. Um, thought they were doing things well. It was a lot of wide open hockey to begin for a little while there. Carter Hart looked really sharp. They were key to defeat. That defense was keeping uh, the Capitals' chances to the outside. Didn't really give a lot of grade A danger chances. Um, overall, we'll see him put up seven. That's a positive, yeah. To see Scott Lawton get a hat trick, it's a positive because he fanned on the first couple chances he had there and finally buried one and it started going in for him. Yep. And they crashed the net. Crashing the net is a Mm -hmm. wonderful concept that they just need to continue to stick to until they can create open net chances. I mean, Robert Haig had one of the most ridiculous goals of the year uh, with his rocket of a shot. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he, he look Robert Higgs has got a great r- shot. It's just the problem is only like 10% of the time it actually goes on net. Like the rest of the time it's through the rim and off the glass and going off the other way and you're off to a nine and rush. Right. Um but you're right. Like you saw some guys take advantage of yesterday and really take it to them. So you had you had um Kateria with two goals, you had Lawton with a hat trick, and that's coming off another hat trick from Joel Faraby last week. So it's two young guys getting, you know, scoring in bunches here. Um, you had another goal by, um, uh, what's called by, uh, what's his name? Robert Haig. And then JVR who's leading the team in points, which is just outstanding. You're seeing the type of hockey at JVR. The reason why he was selected second overall in 2007, like that, yeah. that skill set you're seeing it now. Yeah. It's simple is that you're, you're taking it and you're taking him to the net and you're just, you're driving the puck to the net and JVR is getting 
a lot of tip plays, a lot of rebound plays. That's what you pay the guy a lot of money to do and to, to do that. And it's important to know that, yes, crashing that is important and it's a great thing, but you need to see a little more cycling. You need to see a little bit more of an aggressive forecheck. You know, Peter Laviolette, the way he likes to coach is that he likes to play to the open side, meaning that he, when the guy comes in the zone and he's doing it his own entry, they're going to look at two options. Either they're going to dump it and have a set and the F2 crash in, and, or if they're going to do it, they're going to rim it around to the open side and then break you apart that way. They try, really tries to spread you out and play to open ice. Flyers can really bite on that, which is really, really impressive to see because it's easy to, if you, especially if you get puck watching and get puck happy. Defensively, they were responsible. Offensively, they did enough. I get a little concerned. Maybe you talk about you talked about the quality. I, you know me in analytics. I'm not big on them. The analytics mm-hmm. crowd are probably like, "Oh, that's great, you're efficient," but I do get concerned about the amount of volume of shots that are going on goal. That's not enough. And eventually, I feel that with this team, while yes, yesterday was a good step. You got off the schneid. You put up seven in the net. You, there's a lot of bad habits here that are that are creeping up that might actually catch up with them at some point, and that has me a little bit concerned. Yeah, but look, two points is two points, and right now you need every point you can get. They took, they got two yesterday, and that's a positive. Yeah, and and, and that's really what where I see it. Like I just want them. I'm gonna just hammer this home until we're in game forty and towards the end of the season. As long as they're bagging points in, well, I shouldn't say 40, but as long as they're bagging points in this first 10 to 15, 15, 20 games, that's going to play for the better, no matter how they're playing. I think we can all uh, consent to that they are not playing, I would say, 60%. They're playing up to 60%, 70% at best of what they could be at, with or without Couturier. Like, even with Couturier out, the team went five, three, and two. If you count him out in that, because he was only in for 45 seconds in the second game of the season, they're six, three, and two. That's a pretty good record for, for missing your best player on the team. Like for a guy that's a Selkie Award winner in Sean Couturier, and you still manage to go above 500, most teams are lucky to break 500. So credit to the Flyers. And we talked about it. I actually posed the question did we think that they were as deep as they are? Evidently, they are. Like th- there's something there. You have three players outside, not named Sean. Couturier that have hat tricks you have Carter Hart who is not playing up to speed but he's also being backed up by a solid veteran in Brian Elliott so like when we look at these uh at a record of eight three and two overall everyone should just be this is great you're in second place the Boston is clearly the better team and like they're going to be the Achilles heel of the Flyers this year it seems like they're this year's Islanders early on they can't it's not that they can't keep up with them but they just seem to like hesitate with them but overall uh, like if if they lose every game to Boston but still have a winning record they're probably going to be in the top four of the Eastern Conference and make the playoffs so you can't really it'll be a complaint because you're losing to Boston but at the end of it you still won enough games to make the playoffs and that's where it's nice to see the eight three and two at this point look (laughs) I have always had a positive outlook on this team and mm-hmm. going back to I last year. Have. I normally yeah. do. We, I, absolutely. And I, I think there's a lot of potential here, but there's some worrisome habits. Now look, it could be due to COVID because they don't really have a whole lot of practice time. I, I there's fundamental flaws that aren't really, 
that shouldn't be that aren't, that aren't characteristic of this team last year. They're just some fun, small fundamental flaws. They're not playing a full 60 minutes. They don't seem engaged for the full 60. They don't seem like they're, they're you know, they seem like they kind of go into La La Land for about a period there, whether yeah, it's in the beginning, yeah. a second, and they normally turn it on in the third, but sometimes it's too late or it's not enough. I mean, you know, you talk about you know, Elliot and Carter Hart, like Brian Elliott. Yeah, played great in that Boston game, but gave up one of the softest goals you ever see. I mean, yeah, so it's a weird angle, but you got to have your glove up in that situation. No, I mean, that well, it was a bar down shot. The way the puck angle goes, that puck was still traveling upward. And if he had his hand in the right position, he just would have snared it out of the air. It would have been the normal save. Carter Hart, you, it's a, yeah, does Carter Hart make that save? The way Carter Hart's playing, I don't think he makes that save. I like it was also a it wasn't a weird shot, but he was screened a little. I don't remember who the defenseman was. I want to say it was Haig or even Provorov that was blocking Elliott when he took that shot. But at the yeah, same time, I at the end of it, I, I concede to what you're saying. Like he should have had that save. That was a very weak goal. It, it seems the general theme. It's been a lot of weak goals, but from both Carter Hart and Brian Elliott, Correct. this year, it seems. Well, it's, not so much Elsie. Not, 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 no, not, not I so agree. Much else, but. But, but, like, but that Boston goal should not have happened. And, that, like, that, that's no. just something that has been a problem for years, not just for the Flyers with Brian Elliott, but for Brian Elliott's career to let up soft goals like that. But something – it's just – it's very – annoying and, and frustrating as a Flyers fan, to, I'm sure, to be watching that, especially when, as the defense tries to con- figure itself out. Because I think you're trying to, you're trying to, you started seeing Provorov and Myers skate together because I think the the, the gossip bear Provorov is starting to sour a little bit already, but I think you still stick with it, but... I don't know. It's just one of those things where you kind of have to roll with the punches and hope that both Elliot and Hart figure themselves out and get their positioning a little bit better. Well, before we even go into that, let's take a while. Let's take a step all the way back to the beginning. You know, done talking about Niskan and it's done and over with. They got to figure out what they have. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they haven't had a consistent lineup here pretty much this whole season. Okay. Kateri is a big part of that. They lost Myers for a little while there. And they've lost Sandheim and have Myers back. So we always talk about that flow. The flow isn't there. But at some point, the guys who are on the ice need to step up and need to kind of take control. A guy like Kevin Hayes is on your fourth line now because he's been playing poorly. He shouldn't be on your fourth line. A guy like Travis Konechny should not sit on the bench. He should not be benched for a game for poor effort. Those are problems that are going to eventually creep up if they don't find a way to nip this in the bud now. Now, you stay eight, three, and two. Yes, it's all they're off the record wise to a good start. Yes, are they efficient with their shots and can they score five on 16 shots on Vitek Vanacek? Yes, they can. But do you expect that to happen for the next 40 games here? I don't know, Bill. And, no, and that's, it's I'm, completely unreasonable to think that that's, you're not going to do that against Tuka Rask. Like, no. sorry, like, I, I, like. He may have a bad game, but Tuka Rask's b- bad game is much different than Vanacek's bad game, for sure. Or Carter Hart's bad game. Yeah, or Brian Carter Elliott's bad game. Like, exactly. It's, it's way different because Tuka Rask is an elite goaltender. He's at that road of hashtag 920 that we're trying to get to Carter Hart. I, 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 like, I, I doubt Carter Rask is at that point. I don't know if Rask is at that point of 920 right now, but overall he Probably. is around that level. 
Carter Hart has a ways to go. He was barely, uh, he was just under nine on Sunday night alone. He turned away 33 or 37 shots, as you said, but still he needs to be better than that. That's a lot of rubber, but it's still like, but that, that's, that, that comes with the territory when you're, uh, when your defensive blue line is not playing up to snub. Well, and that goes in the part of part of Hart's problems too is that I believe that the team plays a little bit differently around him than do Elliott. If you watch Elliott when they play, they play a little tighter defensively, a little closer to him, understand the types of rebounds he gives out and stuff and kind of hammers it away. They rely on Carter Hart to play. They can play a little more wide open. It's a confidence thing. They trust him. It's fine. But Carter Hart's stat, Carter Hart's stat line is pretty pretty awful. I mean, it's he's got a sub-900 save percentage. It's 897. His goals against average is 3.49. And that's in – nine games plays, but he's still got five wins. So the offense they've put up for him, but defensively they're playing a little too wide open. Brian Elliott is three and one with a 2.19 goals against average and a 929 save percentage. Yep. I mean, listen, that's a shutout. Almost that includes a shutout. Yeah. And here's the thing. And that save percentage, that goals against average 2.9, that's actually a little high for that. So it tells me goals against average is more of a defensive stat. When you really look at a goaltender, you look at their save percentage. So yep. Carter Hardy said two games where he's been blown out so far, nine games in against Buffalo and one against Boston. So yes, you can understand if his save percentage is under 900. Brian Elliott, 930 and he's still seeing a lot of rubber there so that's that's really solid and i think that with him starting tomorrow elliot i think you're going to start seeing him Vigneault, ride hot hand here a little bit because it's not so much because of carter hart playing poorly it's because the team's playing better around brian elliot you're getting a little more efficiency there you're getting a little more responsible defensively and it's not a slight against carter hart it's because defensively this team is an absolute mess right now well actually that leads to this is a great question then especially because you're a goalie yourself when you say that Brian Elliott is having his defensive player play a little bit more compact, they're a little bit more uh, tight in the, in their defensive zone compared to Carter Hart. Can I? Is it the defense with Carter Hart believes that he can turn more away more rubber? You're not relying on the block shot. You're not relying on on the poke check as much. You're just kind of you. You have so much confidence in Carter Hart to stop that rubber and turn it away that you loosen up a little bit you you let the gap be a little bit more wider you're not trying to be as tight on the guys as as you would with with brian elliott who evidently maybe they should be doing this they, brian elliott is having a putting up 920 numbers that's really good and maybe if the defense tightens itself up with carter hart we'll see similar stats and carter hart will settle himself down and figure it out or does he need to continuously see rubber is he different because everybody all goalies are different obviously They're so all different it's all different. It, it, it's one of those things that me personally, when I play, I like it when I see action right off the face off. I'm standing around for a little while, and then if I don't see a first shot for like a couple minutes in, I don't feel as sharp. And if I'm seeing just rubber here and there, I don't feel as sharp. Yeah. It, it, any, most goalies will tell you the more rubber they see, the better they're going to feel. The more you get into a flow, the more you get into a rhythm. And, and, and it's true. Like, that, you know, do, I, you, I, do, do you remember D3 when they go to college? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember when the first game they went up like 9 nothing? And the yeah, goalie's yeah. just like skating around, guys. I'm so yep. bored. And then she yep. lets up like four or five goals, and they still yep. end up winning. But that, yep. that that's a perfect example of get to see rubber often, and you get your more in your rhythm. I, I I've been in situ I've been in situations where we've been up nine one in games and barely won. Like at the beginning of the third, it's just been just it all falls apart for some whatever reason. Like look, yeah. it's a, it, 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 I can't speak for Brian Elliott. I can't speak for Carter Hart. 
I do, I do believe though that when you look at the team, they play a little bit differently. Like you see, the team plays a little more responsible defensively around Brian Elliott because not because they don't trust him. It's because Brian Elliott is not as good as rebound control as Carter Hart is. He's not yes. good laterally, so you have to play a little more closer to him. With Carter Hart, you've seen him do amazing things so far. And again, it's not a goaltending thing so much as defensively. Is that the, as as a group? defensively when they're when they're out there they're when they're with Carter Hart they try to push the pace a little bit more so they 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 jump into the play more but also at the same time too with Carter Hart sometimes the Flyers get a little pinned down a little bit and then as soon as a guy is right in their face they panic and throw the puck out of the zone nobody's they they seem to play a lot more controlled around Brian Elliott and have more controlled breakouts that's what I'm seeing anyway I mean I I think it as more as that they're trying to play more control because they need to be more patient around Brian Elliott with Carter Hart, they feel like they can press it because they have a lot more confidence in him. I don't think it's because they're he needs to see more Roberts. They they feel like he's confident, but right now Carter Hart's not in a rhythm enough where the Flyers can play as wide open as they think they can around him. But it might be a mental thing where they just they can't get out of it at the moment. Yeah, and and that actually goes to the the breakout is what is the number one thing that is concerning me right now with the Flyers. Like their breakout has been very very subpar, very very average at best. Like. There was a moment, I think it was the Washington game. I don't think it was in the Boston series, but they were on the power play. They turned it over at one of the many times that they did. Washington was pressing. They were they were on the forecheck. Then all of a sudden, you, you're a man up, and they had three of their five guys below the net behind Carter Hart trying to get out. And I'm like, what is happening with this team's structure? The structure of this team just seems very loose and it it doesn't seem compact despite the goal scoring that's the weirdest part right as like seven goals we can talk about it all day we can talk about scott lawton's uh hat trick all day but at the same time it's almost lucky going back to the first point that you made like it's yeah they're lucky they're eight and three and two yeah you're you're right they are lucky they're eight three and two absolutely and and here's why and and not not to cut you off but like the, the way you look at it is is this perspective. They have a right now they're they're a team that just they're they're kind of an enigma. They're they're kind of a mystery. You don't really know what's going on or where you're gonna get out of them every single night because they're not playing full 60 minutes. Let's take a look at what really infuriated me against that the first game against Boston, where you have a three-one lead midway through the period. You take a penalty, a, 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 take a silly penalty. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's 3-2. You leave David Pashenak back door wide open on the doorstep. Nobody around him. Nobody realizing that he slid in from the circle, which your D-man, if you're on, when you're on the penalty kill, needs to be making sure that nobody gets across that zone. Somehow they get across, and he scores. Bang, bang. And then you just see Boston pressing and pressing and pressing. And Carter Hart made a big save at the end where it was off the fault of deflection. He went down real quick and covered it up on his pad it, it should have went in and he had not gotten down fast enough but he had anticipation um unlike what we talked about with the last boston game when we put up the video and then you take a penalty and then you're on the power you're on the penalty kill late and then a shot comes in that doesn't quite get through to carter hart and the rebound pops out and if you f- stop it which we'll post it up if you stop it there are three flyers looking at the net there's three of them. Yeah. Nobody wants to pick up David Pasternak on the backside. That's fundamental hockey. And that's what's wrong with the team right now is that the fundamentals have gotten away with them. You cannot get you cannot get puck caught puck watching when the puck comes on the day. You can't have guys all looking at the net because 
you don't have eyes in the back of your head. You can't see that other teams are going to come forechecking you. You can't try to knock the puck out of the way. You need to tie up a stick. You need to get your stick on another player to either hold it down or pull it up and lift it to give another chance for either goalie to knock it away or another player to come in and support real quick. The problem is, is that and then they get scored on that way. And then the same thing happened in overtime that Provorov got caught too high up on the power play and let Bergeron slip in right behind him. Those are basic fundamental things of hockey that professionals need to know that they have to be, have to be responsible in coverage in, the, in, that, in those situations. And it, it's not happening. And when you talk about their breakouts, this is why they're big defensive problems more than anything else, because as soon as they get the puck and they feel the slightest amount of pressure, they just throw it away. There's nobody in close support ready to take that breakout to either, you know, get through the neutral zone to take it and swing and go out the other way, or even try to find another person. Like, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting so excited here because I'm getting so angry about it because <laughs> it's so simple. I can't really explain it, but probably confusing the hell out of people. But if I take a deep breath, the idea is you talk about the breakouts. It's a major, major problem. The, the fun, that's a fundamental thing, especially with a team strategy. If they are really going towards a 2-1-2, which is two four checkers, really, but they're not pressing them. They're, it's a 2-1-2 high, which means that they're going to try to take away the pass in the defensive zone rather than try to four-check them down low and force them behind the net. It's a complete strategy. From last year, they were playing more of a one-two-two, where they would have one four-checker really pressure the puck carrier on both sides, and then box out the neutral zone and not allow anybody around. They're not doing that anymore. They're trying to play too aggressive, and it's not fitting their style. And they're when they're getting caught too much up ice, they're getting odd man rushes the other way. And as soon as they're getting pinned in their own end, they try to get it out as quickly as possible, but they don't have anybody in close support to be able to do that. And they're not using. And it, the problem is, is that they don't have enough speed to be able to make some of these moves on their own. They're not built like a Toronto. They're not built like a Montreal with a lot of fast players. These guys need to be structured and need to move the puck quick and get to the next position on the ice. And that's not happening. And it could be because they haven't had enough chance to, to practice it. But at the end of the day, these guys are pros. These, they, they, there's no excuse for not knowing some of the fundamentals and not panicking when you have the puck. And that's what's happening right now. Yeah, and, and they're really <sighs> just – they're just missing – They've, it, it feels like see, now that Couturier is back, you saw a little bit of a cor self-correct itself or not self-correct itself, just fix itself on Sunday against Washington. But you're right. Like when they finally were able to get the breakout going with Couturier, he was the quarterback. It seemed like if, if Sean Couturier was on the ice, when they were in the defensive zone, the first person that got the puck or was looked to be getting the puck was Sean Couturier because you know that he can bring the puck out safely and effectively into the neutral zone and then proceed to get your forecheck going and hopefully create a rush, get something with the F1, the F2, and the F3. Uh, but, like, you're right. When you see Provorov, who is averaging, I think, 27 minutes of ice time, nearly two – like, a period and a half of ice time, which is – elite prospect elite level defensive play and he's struggling to get the puck out responsibly it is infuriating to watch you, i can i can't count how many times that i've se we've seen this team just go from a good defensive play in terms of getting creating a turnover and then creating a turnover themselves to give the puck away. And then all of a sudden Carter Hart's spinning wondering what just happened or Brian Elliott's sitting there going Wait a minute! You guys just had the puck. Like I, I understand I have to be on my toes whenever the puck is in my zone, but at the same time, come on, give me a bone here. You, you got to create something, and that's where 
it's a good thing that yes, they uh, went five, three and two without Sean Couturier. It's a good thing that he's back in the lineup because if he was out for any more effective game, any more than a week after this, like they could, it would have probably stumbled and they would have probably leveled off because well, obviously now that the devil's game has been postponed, I don't think they would have won even with that offensive outbreak by Scott Lawton. I don't think they would have won that because of Robert Haig's bomb of a shot. I think Sean Couturier just levels off this team to, and creates some sort of stability. And you just kind of have to fight through it and hope that this kid doesn't, he doesn't get injured again. He's too valuable. Yeah. Well, and again, he's your top center. He's your top center for your reason. You're in your center is your most important player besides your goaltender. I mean, really, when you're talking about your forwards, your centers are more important than your defenseman because you're your third, your center is your third defenseman. That's why Kateri is so good. And, you know, and, and, and why he can win the award like the Selkie. It, it comes down to this and, and JJ, it, it, Jim Jackson made a really good point after the broadcast of that game where they lost in overtime. He goes, you know, here in Philadelphia, you know, we, you know, people expect this team to play like it's game seven of the Stanley Cup final every single night. And that's just not feasible. He's mm-hmm. right. And, and yeah. you know, like it's not that we're putting pressure on the team or one of a pressure on the team. They're, they're working through this, but it's frustrating when you watch this from a standpoint of these are basic things that they just, they cannot overcome exactly. and silly little mistakes that are, wait a minute. Like in, when you look at silly little mistakes, we mean like that is that, you know, when you make a bad pass and you see a guy cutting right there, you're trying to make that stretch pass and you, you know, and you turn it over and it's an odd man rush the other way. Like those little things that as, as, as someone at your level, I know you're trying to be risky and make a play, but at the same time as a professional and being an elite level hockey player, you got to have enough hockey sense to know when to try to make too much of a play and when not to. And sometimes it just seems like it goes away. Like they get, that's what I'm talking about. They just get a little spacey and get away from that a little bit. And I find it frustrating because you had games where you had three games and the last three games, you've come up with three points in games where you should have gotten six. Like you, there's no reason at all with a three, one lead against Boston, you blow it. It's just not acceptable. There's no reason the way you're playing against Boston, why they were giving it to you, why you weren't generating offense, your goaltending was keeping you in it, and you're playing very strongly for him, and then all of a sudden your offense just disappears, and you can't get him a second goal. Like, after you just put up three on two caress the night before, it's the, the things like that is the inconsistency is, is disturbing. And you're right. Maybe because Kateri is coming back, and this is where we start to get positive again, that maybe because Kateri is back, that you, you do see this team level off. Yeah, but also now you just lost Travis Sanheim again, and now you have a problem where you're going to have to try to reshuffle those defensive pairings, which were already abysmal to begin with, and you got bigger problems with that. You know, Ivan Provorov's averaging 26 minutes on the ice tonight. That's almost half the game. That's yeah. a lot of ice time, and Travis Sanheim was logging right behind him at 21:55. So which tells me they're shifting Provorov out there a lot more, which concerns me about wearing down later on in the season. But you're also losing a big, big player out of your lineup for now. And you go back to Shane Gossespierre, who's also logging 20 minutes a night. The concern- solid Shane, Shane Gossespierre, like for all the grief we've given him, I, he's been playing pretty well. He's been playing okay. He's been playing, yeah. he's been playing well enough. I think that he's actually he's done made some good plays defensively, especially in that Islanders game where he stopped the guy at the blue line, turned the rush the other way, and that's how they wind up scoring or go the overtime winner. Um, where Lawton scored it. Yep. Um, he, he's done some really good things, but to, to think that he can, and, th- and this is another point, uh, and this is another point. I'll go back to, to, to ghost. You can't expect ghost 
to go against the perfection line of Pasternak, Bergeron, yes. and Marshan. You can't yeah. look, and that and that's the other point that I want to talk about. These top lines are what's killing the Flyers right now. I mean, look, the Pasternak had a hat trick the night, but and the next night you have you know, Marshan. You can't keep him at a scramble in the crease. You have six guys laying all around Brian Elliott. Can't poke it out of the way, and you wind up losing that one. And then yesterday you have Alex Ovechkin put up four points in a period and a half. Like. Yeah nonsense like you cannot allow those top lines to destroy you like that because they're just owning them right now which tells me again it's their defense that's more of a problem not so much their goaltending i mean you know carter hart maybe give it one bad goal yesterday and nobody's stopping ovechkin when he's when he's like coming off the circle when he fires one through and it hits three inches of where you're not covering it he can pinpoint like that he's just he's ridiculous he's gonna break gretzky's record if he plays um but going back it's, it's, those, it's those top lines that are killing it. And you, you can't have a pairing out there. Ivan Provorov can't do it all himself. You can't put Shane out there every single night with him. Nothing against Shane. He's played well enough. But Shane is not the type of player that can go up against a Nick Backstrom and Alex Ovechkin and Tom Wilson every single night. You don't have it. So it tells me that now you have Samheim out, which is a bigger problem because yep. now that affects your second pair. You already don't have your first pair. You lost Myers. Now you lost Sanheim, which is arguably your second best defenseman. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess. But if they're able to get through this point, A3 and 2, I, I think that they can actually get through here this next little while here and, and, and keep their heads above water until this team figure out figures out an identity. Or if Chuck Fletcher is actually going to be like, you know what, we're close. Let me pull a trigger and find something to get a big, to get a D-man in here that can fit financially, and we could keep him under term for a couple of years that can play with Provorov. Because I, right now, internally, there's no option there to really solidify that defensive hold that you have. Yeah, and and, and the other problem is, and with the Travis Hanheim stuff, he's not injured. He's in. COVID protocol. We don't know what right, the right, detail right. is. Right. Like he's he's just in either contact tracing uh, protocol, which means he'll probably might be back. Hopefully, depending on because obviously we'll we'll get into this now. The games against the the Devils has been postponed, which was scheduled for the eleventh of this week. Uh, 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 both at home, by the way, on Thursday and Saturday this week. Like it, the, these games have been postponed because the Devils, I believe, last I looked, had sixteen players in safety and protocol, um, uh, the, the protocol. So this is not going to get any easier. Thankfully, there's a little bit of a gap here where there's a potential to do some shuffling around because I think you kind of just go, if you're the NHL, I think you go in and just say, assume the Devils aren't playing until next Saturday, the 20th and then just reshuffle the lines or reshuffle the teams because they have this weird gap between their home and home with the debt with the Rangers this week, or excuse me, starting on Sunday, a week from uh, yesterday. And it's like, okay, we'll just have, we'll flip flop the, the, the Rangers. They'll come in on Tuesday after their game on Sunday against them. And then, but this is what we've always knew was going to happen. I am, I'm assuming that the NHL has, 
every possible measure of what they're going to do. They've already rescheduled some, some things to go around. I know like there's a game in April that has been moved up to the first that was originally scheduled for the 20th against the devils for the flyers. So this is going to get very, very messy. You can't do certain things. Like you can't have three games in a row for each team. You can't, uh, these teams have, have to have breaks. They're probably going to try and avoid as best they can extending the regular season to avoid, uh, pushing back the NHL playoffs any uh, uh, any farther than it already is because we already know that the Stanley Cup's not going to be re- rewarded until July of this year when it's usually in June. This is it's finally hit the Flyers in a way that like has affected their schedule. I I, I think it's just one of those situations where you got to just roll with the punches and hope it doesn't hurt you too bad because every team's going to go through this if you're in the United States because the North has done pretty well with it. Yeah, Canada, the Canadian League hasn't done uh, – Canadian Division hasn't had any issues with it at all. And that goes to say about the restrictions and stuff they've had up there. Obviously, they do work. If you have you have a bunch of teams up there who haven't had one case of it yet, um, obviously something's working. Uh, but, you know, th- this is where I get a little bit concerned is because you, how much pad do you have to make up these games? You mm-hmm. don't want to have a game that you were supposed to play now where the practice time could benefit the Flyers. It could if they're off till Wednesday and after this game and they don't play again. I'm sorry, they don't play again until the 14th if they're off for those couple days. That practice time could help. But you really want to have a makeup game really be like a make or break it thing down the end of the line of the season. Like, you know, yeah, I, adding it to it and, you know, get any extra practice time. Is that worth it where you have to cram games in and get worn down near the end of the season? And you might try to be making a playoff push at that time. Um, that's where I think it could kind of affect it a little bit. Go like where, where, but at the same time, you know, right now they don't, the NHL CBA, CBA does not allow teams to play three days in a row. It's not like the AHL where they can play three game sets and like or baseball where they play three game sets or play every single day. Um, they, that, that would be awful, awful hockey. If they played like three, four days in a row, it'd be just terrible hockey. Um, so the CBA does not allow for that. It'd have to go to a vote if that's the case, but the NHL, hopefully they gave themselves enough pad to do that. But if they're really trying to wrap this thing up for July, they've already got four teams to postponing games. And then Vegas just came back. There's a lot of teams that got to make up games here. And there's a lot of them. And, yeah. um, it's, it's only going to get worse <laughs> right now. If you could see how many are out right now, it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. Um, so that becomes a bit of a concern because then you're, you're pushing back the playoffs then you're pushing back the most important thing the NHL is looking forward to, and that's the expansion draft. Yep. So you're pushing back all that, and then you want to try to have a full 82 game season next year. Um, you're 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 running a title on time, and you're basically having games every other day here right now. So um, I don't know what the NHL is going to do. I'm sure they have some sort of contingency plan in place. Uh, but you know, let's say for instance the Flyers play the Devils, and then what happens if the Rangers get it, and they play the Rangers right after that, and all of a sudden you're not playing for like two three weeks, you're off like at the Dallas Stars. How are they going to make all these games up? It just it becomes a problem of how you're going to fit them in and how the league is going to respond to that because there really isn't much time to add anything at all. Like you could see gaps in the flyer schedule of two days, sometimes three days here, but you didn't take the other team in perspective. If they have a game already scheduled, they're really going to ruffle that around to do that. They've got a lot of work ahead of them in the NHL. They got to figure something out here that works for all the teams because it's only going to get, I think it's only going to get worse. Unfortunately, I hate to say that, but if you're seeing four teams now and you've already seen teams in the other division happen to them, um, it's only a matter of time for it happens everywhere. And the only team that's going to get through it, it's going to be Canada. And they know that right now it's, they've had no issues up there. And so 
Yeah, yeah they've, they, they've had so many issues or they've had so few issues that they've decided to open up indoor dining for NHL teams in the uh, Ontario Providence. But that government has still a shutdown for its normal citizens, which is mind boggling in its own right. Like if you're going to it's like indoor dining for me and not for thee, And it's like, come on, just, if you're going to open up indoor dining, the, the, the safest thing is just say no indoor dining for anybody. NHL players right. or c- civilians like. Right. But if you are going to do it for the NHL players, Canada is going to be your con- every everyone else is going to be like yo then open it up for us so it's mind-boggling that they decided especially yes canada has handled it well but nhl needs to also look at the optics of opening it all or excuse me the ontario government allowing that ball also the americans the quote-unquote southern uh teams are now suffering through covid so like at at some point there's like I, I I already imagine that we're gonna have a bubble situation like we did in the playoffs. We're gonna do that again in 2020, uh, excuse me, 2021. Ooh. Like that's gonna be the the next thing to come. I think at some point we're just gonna have to accept that the, between this year and next year, because if the NHL has to choose expansion draft, another 56 game season, they're gonna do it. Like it, like if it's a if it's an either or of or excuse me if it's an either or of expansion draft or an eighty two game season for the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two season they're gonna choose the expansion draft they need that revenue we keep talking about we've talked about it in the off season you can go back to any one of our off season episodes about how financially strapped the NHL was because of this the COVID bubble and just the end of the season last year like this is what we're gonna have to face with they would much rather expand the league to 32 teams with the Seattle Kraken and then deal with a 56 game season with those 36, 32 teams, get that revenue. And then hopefully by 2022, 2023, you have a full 82 game season. But the Uh ultimate goal is obviously have both simultaneously. But if you have to push the season back, or if you, if you have to push the playoff, the playoffs back and extend the regular season, it's just going to be, a thing because they're not gonna want to go any lower than 56 games there's they're just not no i think they're just gonna do whatever i don't even think they're thinking about next season i think they in their minds they have it as 82 game season i think it's what it's gonna be true and, yeah you know it hopefully the restrictions are out by then because if they do then that's great for the league because they get the gate revenues back which is killing them right now the, the, the gate without the gate revenues it's, just, it's gonna kill them and you know i think the only thing that's you know, what you talk about Ontario, the, the province of Ontario opening up indoor dining. I really hope Toronto gets a little hungry and wants to go out because I'm really sick of seeing that <laughs> nine two and one record from them. That's just that's that's killing me on the inside. It, Toronto is one of the banes of my existence. I don't know why. Um, but they are They're like the Yankees and the Cowboys for me. You can go to hell if you don't like it. <laughs> tough shit, tough crap. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, I mean look, um having some of the restrictions come back, it's great. I don't agree with the fact that some places are allowing some people to do it and some people are not. I think that's yeah. kind of picking and choosing. It's not right that an NHL team gets a right to go sit in a diner where normal hardworking Canadians uh, don't get the opportunity to do so. So uh, yeah, I don't agree with it at all. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's, hopefully it's a start to better things. And I'm, I'm thinking hopefully by playoff time, the reason why you're staying June, July is I, I think the league is really looking forward to hopefully having, um, 
gate revenue back by then. So fans allowing yes. the safe restrictions, most people enough vaccinated enough where you have people come out and you people can enjoy the playoffs and you get some of that money back. Um, but I, I'm not going to hold my breath on it considering that, you know, you're seeing teams <laughs> shut down like this left and right. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just going to be a messy thing. And I'm sure they have a contingency plan in place. They might've announced some of them that we may have not just picked up on yet, to be honest with you. Um, but I do think that whatever they come up with, I don't think it'll, they'll try not to linger in the next season. I think that they're just going to try to get through this season with the 56 games as best they can and yep. then go for full 82 next year more of a condensed schedule, but don't forget the Olympics are next year as well. And if I'm not mistaken, the NHL is allowing the players to go back to the Olympics. So you're already talking about a condensed schedule as it is. So you may have the NHL running into late June, early July again next year. It may be worth it. So I think, I think I really think it is worth it. Just, just if you have to do it, you got to do it. And that's all Mm -hmm. the, you got to roll with these punches. Like that's what we did last season with our office. uh, When they shut down, we, everyone just rolls with the punches. That's how this is going to be going for the next year. Like no one really knows. However, for an indefinite amount of time, indefinitely like that, that's just how this is. But yeah, I, I, I think that's a good spot to wrap. Like, I, I, I like, it's just one of those things. Like, it, it's just one of those, like, it, it's going to be here and we got to deal with it. Like, that, that's really all you can say, you know? Well, hopefully we're more towards the back end of it, the end of it. And hey, that's all we can hope for. Look, we've been in this thing for, believe it or not, almost a year already. Like, a yeah, year. It's crazy. A year. Bill, it's been almost a year. I know. Like, we haven't done Ugh. an in-studio thing in almost a year. So, like, we you know, literally haven't had a we, chance we really did an in-studio thing before everything shut down. Like one like day before. Re- like a couple days before. It was, it, yeah. I, like- I, it was a day or two before, like, because my office building yep. shut everything down the day, the next day. And so, yeah. Yep. But yep. we, like I said, that, that, that's really all you can say at this point. Hopefully we have better news. Uh, they figure out whatever they're going to do with the Devils games uh, now being postponed for Thursday and Saturday due to the Devils COVID situation. Flyers, thankfully, only have one scenario, and that's Travis Sanheim. So as long as they continue, they had rapid tests today. Uh, Elaine Vigneault said there was no positive test. They all practice, except for obviously Travis Sanheim, like I just said. So hopefully they can get some sort of game on after this Washington game that's uh, at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. Then you just go from there. That's really all they can do. So until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. We thank you as always for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, Orange and Backcheck. Shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Twitter is at obackcheck. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Toronto sucks! And there was almost a back-to-back-to-back game a couple years ago. I think it was the Flyers' involvement. I don't think they were the team that had a back-to-back-to-back, but it was because of a snowstorm a couple years ago. They managed to avoid it, but there was a possibility that it was going to be that. I think they were playing the Kings that day, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Yeah, I think it was a Kings game. Because it was here. How do I know this shit? Like, how do I know this? Like, how do I remember? So I can't remember what my wife tells me five minutes ago about going in the other room and grab this for the kids. But I can remember a freaking Flyers game. They was canceled because of snow three years ago. Hey, what the hell is wrong with me? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, come on now. What the frig is wrong with me? Oh, my God.